Hear ye, hear ye, and welcome to the Royal Geek Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Rollison, also known as T-Roll, and tonight I am joined by my very good friends. First of all, we have Justin Sandoval, a.k.a. Sandy, and we also have Anthony Amato, who we like to call Shimato. These are my two fellow nuclear scientists here on this uh, special podcast edition where we are reviewing the movie, the, sorry, not, not, not the movie, the film, the spectacular film. The cinema experience. The cinema yeah, experience yep. known as Oppenheimer. Yeah, man. Uh, but of course, before we review it, how you guys doing? Yeah, uh, I believe I can speak for all of us here when I say this, but uh, very tired. Yeah. <laughs> very tired. We, yes. we were... What are you talking about, man? I got plenty of energy. We were kind of crazy and uh, went to the movie premiere very late, very, very late, and we drove very far away. Yes. But... That adds all to the experience. We'll get ready to break that down for you. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it more in a minute. Um, Real quick business to all of our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Share the podcast with your friends. And to follow us on social media at Royal Geek Pod. Okay, enough of the business. (coughs) We're getting into the just We just need to get into it tonight. Yes. Yes. We are talking about another Christopher Nolan spectacular film. Yes. Yes. Okay? Yes. And uh, so here's your spoiler warning for Oppenheimer. We're not playing around. If you haven't seen it, it's a good time to hit pause. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess maybe maybe before we even do the spoilers, if you're wondering, hey, give us a spoiler-free review. All right, here's 30 seconds. <laughs> it was amazing. It was very, very, it was, very Yeah, good. it was it, crazy. It, it felt like a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, very good. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. So there you go. There's the Royal Geek Podcast. Um, <laughs> we'll see you spoiler, next time, guys. Spoiler-free, uh, you know, review of Oppenheimer. But anyways, here's your spoiler warning. Um, yeah, Justin, you alluded to it, but let's give our listeners a, a breakdown of kind of what was unique about this film. Yeah. You, you, right when we were getting the tickets, I don't even know when. Okay, yeah. So it was about like maybe a month and a half ago. Something like uh, that. Trailer dropped for tickets on sale, that kind of thing, right? Um, and We knew about this for like a year. Yeah, of course, obviously. We knew about it every year, but um, we, we were kind of, our I, I was late to the planning of going to see this premiere, and uh, it said to see it in the 70 millimeter, and I didn't, I don't remember seeing that advertised beforehand, and I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah. So if we're going to watch a Nolan movie, we got to watch it at, at peak Nolan, right? Like you got to watch it the way he yeah, des- envisioned. Yeah, exactly. And so... I went and looked it up, and only like 19 theaters in America had an IMAX 70 millimeter uh, cap- uh, capability of actually having the movie the way that Nolan intended to. And we just happen to live in a state where it is about two hours away. Yeah, so, that's right. Um, I went to go. We went to go early tickets for Thursday, and uh, we're like, okay, good, we're in. But then uh, some schmuck on the podcast had to go do uh, some wedding stuff. Yeah, there was a wedding. All right. Yeah. There's a wedding I had to do. Get over it. So, yeah. anyways, we had to do Friday. We yep. had to do it late. It late. was really because late. the early show times were all almost were all sold out. Yeah, it was either sit in the very front row or buy a 11, 10 p.m. tickets for a three-hour movie. Very yeah. front row. That's Bush League. Yeah, which so, is what we did. Yeah, we bought so it. So we bought just to give all of our listeners an idea. We watched this three-hour movie. Yep, and it started at eleven ten, and it was like roughly an hour and a half away. Two hours. Yeah. And the pouring down storm, rain, lightning, yep. all that kind and of stuff. Then you throw in the Waffle House at the end. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Keeps, but, you know, you got to do we that. We saw too. IMAX 70 millimeter. Yeah, and can you was, explain for, you know, this is a podcast, yeah. it's not visual, but explain what that, you know, well, there's a lot of people who are listening who maybe just watch Oppenheimer, just a normal theater or even a normal yeah. IMAX. Yeah, so uh, 
Christopher Nolan, he is a like old school like mentality of thinking. Like, he doesn't have a smartphone. Like he he still has a, a dumb phone. So, um, but yeah, so he's all about film. And uh, thirty five millimeter is uh, was a thing of the past, like that kind of thing, right? And he still carries around uh, that in his wallet. Christopher Nolan, yeah. that kind of thing. Seventy millimeter is uh, the IMAX uh, uh, style of of film. And uh, he shot the like the entire movie, um, in majority in in that most of it, most yet. of it, yeah. Which if you've ever been to a true IMAX theater, uh, you normally if you watch a movie that wasn't shot in IMAX, it just kind of stays in the middle of the screen, yeah, and like, then like widescreen, like widescreen. Um, but then like certain scenes would jump up and down. Well, uh, for the majority of the of Nolan's movie, the entire s- entirety of the screen was taken up, and it's it's just you see more. Like it's yeah. Like yeah. For example, like the sceneries, like when they were in New Mexico, those, all those scenes, yeah. you got to experience like the night sky along <laughs> with like the desert um, plains and right. um, just the interaction between the uh, actors. And like stuff. if you ever watched like an IMAX movie for like at a museum, mm-hmm. yeah, know, for like you know in the ocean or like. IMAX movie like showing you mountain ranges yeah. like it's the full massive square yeah. like it's not a widescreen mm-hmm. it's a perfect square yeah essentially and like the aspect ratio is the aspect full ratio. like everything is like it's yeah. as yeah. wide and long as it possibly be it's hard to explain it was yeah. remarkable one of the interesting things that I found about it was, as well is when they put words up on the screen and you have to like move your head yeah like that's like yeah. it's, yes. it's one of the weird like a little yes. things because if it's something that's on all the way to the left to all the way to the right, like you, it's you can't get it all. Which right at the beginning, yes, the very first, like before you even see, um, mm-hmm. before you even see Oppenheimer or any any shots, there's like this, there's like a flame, right, right at the beginning. Yeah, and then it had it, it had like a couple words, like a couple sentences. Yeah, in there. it was uh, it was talking about, about Prometheus. The, uh, yeah, yes. Prometheus. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and literally, yeah. like you said, you had you to turn your head as you read it, and you're yeah. like, "Oh my gosh, I got to read fast because I don't want to miss the next line. I don't yeah. want it to go off the screen." <laughs> yeah, but uh, so yeah. It, it looked beautiful. It was um, stunning. It was honestly a very stunning movie to watch. Like yeah. visually, like it was on, on point. And it's it wasn't that expensive. It's not like you know, All right? Yeah, no. Compared to just a normal IMAX movie, it was like two bucks more. So it's not like. Mm-hmm. We we spent crazy money. The crazy part is that we were up really really late. Yeah, that yeah. was yeah. that was a thing. That was <clears throat> that's what made the experience. To be honest yeah. with you, but, yeah. uh, but the the theater was full. Yeah, I was gonna say Nolan puts butts in seats, man. Yes, like every single seat in that theater was sold out. Sold yeah. out. Yeah. Yes. Um, it was yeah. It was it was fun to be in a packed out theater again. It really yes, was. It really and, was. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. It and it, the quality of film, the uh, <laughs> it was deserving for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I do think it's interesting. Before the movie started, we were kind of like placing bets on uh, oh, yeah, how yeah. the movie is going to start. Normally, with big movies, we're like, "Oh, let's guess the opening scene, that kind of thing." Like right? the first thing we'll yeah, see. Yeah, the first thing we'll see. And uh, we're all placing our bets. Uh, the T Roll's big thing was uh, it was going to take start opening a, a boardroom meeting. Yeah, right? some and sort then, of boardroom meeting. Yeah, and uh, debriefing. Shimada was like, "Oh, it's going to be some sort of countdown." Um, yeah. And then I was like, "It's going to be a, a slow zoom in on Oppenheimer's face." Well, I um, I believe I'm going to get the credit for the first first place because it was a slow zoom in on Oppenheimer's face, but it was Oppenheimer's face in a boardroom, <laughs> and there was a, a a countdown sequence or slash number sequence of uh, number one fission and number two fusion. So yes. uh, kind of we did like the the three headed dragon there, man. We, yeah. I think we kind of this hit is it all why you got to listen to Rogue Geek podcast. Yeah. You know, like you, you know, we just. 
We don't miss on yeah. this. We, we know. We know things. Yes. You throw out <laughs> enough answers, yeah. and something will be right. You say enough junk, you know, when you're yeah. walking in the theater. Yes. We'll get right on something. Exactly. But it was it was a fun experience. A fun experience. No, it was mm-hmm. it was freaking awesome. Um, okay. What else about the experience? Yo, oh, and it was... It was the the sound. Oh my! Yes, gosh, which we'll talk dude. about the actual bomb later. Let's yeah. let's hold off on yeah, that. Yeah, that's a but just big the twist. sound in general. Yeah, yeah, the sound in general of the film. He would hit you with these moments of just like extreme sound. Yeah, you know, and it was it was crazy. You yes. know, it's I mean, it was very no, it was Nolan esque. It, it's what he does. He like has these moments of like like these really big like moments that break away mm-hmm. where it's like. It's the universe basically he's showing, and like, yeah. yeah, he's showing either fission or fusion reactions, um, you know, going on, and just different things that are going, like sparking ideas and like things like that throughout the throughout the movie that were just, you know, a, a little bit like just like jarring. hell on you. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, jarring is not the worst word <laughs> for that. Yeah, I just feel very blessed that we live in a state that has one of these. IMAX theaters. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, like, you know. I mean, and it's I, less than 50% of the states yeah, right yeah, now yeah. have, Absolutely. have yeah. one. So. Yeah, yeah. And there's only a couple, there's only a few others even around the world outside of the United States that have them. Yeah. So, like, I think there's one of these in London and somewhere in Australia. But, mm. yeah, it's like, we're, we're really lucky. So, um, anyways, that was kind of, for all of our listeners, we want you to know, like, that was our, the context of, of, us, listen, or of us watching this film. Um, we made a trip out of yeah. it. We go, we got out of the way for the, the viewers. Hey, we're, I, th- we, I think we're going to try to do one blockbuster, the biggest blockbuster every summer. We need to, we need to go, yeah. you know, back to, um, check it out. Yeah. Yes. We'll, get that, we'll check to, it out. We'll do our screen. pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To that, uh, epic IMAX. Yes, absolutely. All right. The actual movie. Yeah. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what I would say is like one of the biggest things that, uh, I took away was, I was not expecting as much of the movie to be set outside of the actual creation of the atomic bomb as what as it was. Like I was, um, so you thought I, like you thought a majority of this movie was gonna be at Los Alamos, Los Alamos, and uh, before Los Alamos. Okay. That's kind of what I was expecting. Yeah. Uh, like kind of like the build up to him, uh, the atomic bomb, and then him creating the atomic bomb. <laughs> And then maybe a little bit afterwards, but it goes all the way to like 1954 um, for for the main part of the movie. And it goes even further than that yeah, at the end, end it, yeah. uh, of course. But like for the most part, like I would say at least a good hour plus of the movie was set after the yeah. um, the actual third or more. Yeah, uh, at least um, you know because the the two bigs. So setting up like the way that it goes like chronologically, you know they they do do a little build up of his life before yeah, Los Alamos yeah. when he's in school and he's you know meeting certain physicists. He's kind of like um, you know you're seeing him run into big names in the world like Niels Bohr and you know different different characters, uh, Heisenberg, Heisenberg um, yeah. all those type of people. And then you know he ha- you have his recruitment and his time in at Los Alamos. Which is a huge part of his life as well, um, and then there is two time periods after Los Alamos that I think I feel like were the more more surprising parts that were actually included in the movie, and one of them was a um, significantly after. Um, actually, there were three big ones. There was the um, 
them finding out that the Soviets had nuclear weapons. Yeah. So that was, I think that was, that was cool. That, that was, was in the late forties. Um, yeah. Um, was, was what that was. And then you have, um, his hearing for his clearance, which was a big moment, um, which was a large part of this movie. It was oh a gosh. huge yeah. part of this movie. And then you had the, um, the hearing for Senator Strauss, um, that was like the last main <clears throat> chunk, which was at least chronologically, um, which is probably right around 1954 ish, yeah. somewhere in there. Um, so that was the last chunk of time that it was. So, but it was, it did a lot of jumping around, um, dude, in general. Say that you can say that say, again. Yeah, yes. It did jump around, man. Holy smokes. It was like, yeah. Like even like the first, within the first 10 minutes, I'm pretty sure you're, you're touching on three different time periods within, yeah. within that. It was Multiple yeah, decades. pretty epic. And I think on, on top of just the jumping around, the change between black and white and color yeah. also like kind of naturally throws off your mind because, you know, as we think of black and white, we generally think of as older, but it wasn't, it wasn't a time-based issue um, as we were, you know, thinking about as it. As we thought it was on our drive home, we kept... <laughs> we were having a discussion Breaking about what yes. that meant. Yes. Um, so it turned out it wasn't a time-based issue. If it can be believed what, you know, no one thought it was. Um, you know, I was I threw out a little bit that I thought some of it was at least from the perspective of, like, Strauss's character was when he was describing Oppenheimer. But um, apparently Nolan was talking about how when it was in color, it was subjective. When it was in black and white, it was objective. Yeah. Um, so basically, you know, up for interpretation or not, what was going on in the right. situation. Right. Which I'm actually surprised that like no one actually, he addressed it. Cause sometimes he just leaves things, oh, just figure it out. Right. That kind of thing. Right. But he yeah. actually inception. Yeah. <laughs> oh, trust me. Yeah. Um, and he, he actually said it, he <laughs> made us made that statement. So, um, it was overall, dude, this movie, like, the timeline was a little confusing at first. Right. T-Roll. Yeah. Like it was, um, Speak for yourself, man. It was easy to. Understand. Oh yeah, you got that. As, no, as, was, as he leans over to me, like, what, what year? Were you? I literally, <laughs> I leaned over and I said, I do wish I knew yeah. what year it was. Where like are in we? some of these? Yeah, yeah. it's some of these scenes. It's clear that's yeah. As people are leaning after, over me, what, what time period do you think this is? <laughs> <laughs> but, literally, uh, literally. But then after the first like twenty five minutes or so, uh, everything starts to settle in, um, yeah. and it's. It's less like popcorny. It's like it, yeah. It's more. It settles into the story. A, yeah. Well, a here's lot. here's the thing. Every Nolan film, it feels like starts with a crazy opening scene. Yeah. That's super intense. Yeah. And this one didn't have just one scene that was intense. Instead, it was like <clears throat> he threw us in a blender with a few different like scenes, mixed it all together, made you a little confused at the beginning. I'm yeah. not gonna admit. But this is the, this is kind of the brilliance of of uh, Nolan, where you you kind of want to be confused, you want to be teased. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, he what Nolan does to the audience is he makes you think. Which, yeah, honestly, the the people who go to the movies to just shut the brain off and watch, there's nothing wrong with that. That that's yeah. fine. You there is that moviegoer, but the ones that go to the movies and they're challenged. Like that makes the movie experience. Yes. Uh, to be yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it elevates it just a tad bit more. Yeah, it really does. So, anyways, um, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of all over the place at the beginning. Yeah. And something else that was kind of all over the place was like I feel I mentioned to Shimato after as we were walking out of the movie. I said like this movie is might be like 
the number one movie of, oh, hey, it's that guy. It's that guy. Yes. And I just want to throw out some of the names that were in this movie, okay? Because um, it's, it's, it's yeah, go quite vast, all right? We had uh, Gary Oldman was back as, uh, as Truman, Truman, which, yes. which was, was great to see because he is such a His one really scene, good he was, actor. He man. was very, he was compelling in that one scene he had. Oh, yeah. He only had, yeah, that one yeah. scene. But uh, what he did in that scene was, was amazing. Um, uh, James Reamer, uh, some of you guys may know him as he played uh, Raiden in the Mortal Kombat Annihilation, yes, in the second, yes. in the second one, right? Which I was just like, uh, it, uh, just seeing him again was was awesome. I guess I should say, um, Casey Affleck, which is uh, Ben Affleck's Ano-ner- brother. Which, another another great scene yes. where he was like he controlled that scene, like you felt the menace. Yes, from that. Why don't character. you guys say who these people were in the movie? Oh, too. okay, yeah, helpful. sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me go. Well, Truman. I mentioned Truman for, yes. for that yeah. one. But then um, was he George George Marshall? Was that Reamer? No, Reamer was uh, Henry Stimson. Oh, Stimson. Yeah, okay, and then my bad. Casey Affleck was Boris Pash, um, um, which I mean, he did. A, you, you said yes. a great role. And then uh, Doctor David Hill was played by R- Rami Malek. <laughs> yes, which was insane. Just seeing like somebody like that, like. Somebody who's won an Oscar. Oh, right. You know, just, exactly. Oh, I'm going to be in here for like five minutes total. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and Benny Safdie, he played uh, Edward Teller, which he uh, he was in like a, a like a kind of like a fat suit a little bit. Yeah. And he had a thick accent, which Benny Safdie doesn't really have that thick of an accent in uh, in real life. Yeah. But, the uh, Teller character was really interesting. Yes. Yes, he was. Um, he was more of like the the practical guy. Like he was just like trying to um, like make it bigger. Like make like right. yeah, super, yeah, yeah. super bomb is what he wanted to yes. do. Yes. That kind of thing. Um, Jack Quaid, obviously, uh, he's yes. recent fame of, uh, of, um, the boys, yes. which has been, been great. He played, uh, Richard, uh, Feynman and then Josh Peck from, uh, um, Drake and Josh. Drake and Josh yep. And he played <laughs> Kenneth, uh, Bainbridge. Um, I'm telling you, man, Dane DeHaan, he, which he's the one who presses the actual button yeah, on the test. Well, he's the one. No, no, he was, abort. he would do the, he was abort. the abort button. That's oh, what, yeah. that, that's what his mm-hmm. job was. His oh, job sorry. was to. Yeah. He was. That's why it was so like the meter yeah, so like it, big because he was looking at that meter mm-hmm. and he. That's why it was so intense in that moment because he was like hand over the button because he knew he had to hit it if it went ever went over. But there was just like it, it was just an intense moment for you know a character in that yeah. moment. Yeah. Oh yeah, that okay. was an intense scene too. Yeah, so, it was intense. Uh, Dane DeHaan played uh, Kenneth Nichols. Um, we don't Dane DeHaan from the Amazing Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, two. Uh, Matt Damon obviously played Leslie Groves. Um, geez, Matt Damon was he was awesome in this movie. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Matthew Modane <laughs> he played uh, uh, Vanvar Bush, which um, Modane from Stranger Things, obviously. But uh, yes. he, I, I enjoyed his character too in, in this movie. Um, Florence Pugh was as a Jean. She was kind of like the love interest in the beginning, and then kind yes. of tangled. She was through a commie. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Commie. Uh, Michael Angarano, um, he was in like a bunch of like um, like Sky High. He was in Sky High, um, Forbidden Kingdom, Almost Famous, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, let's see here, who we got? Uh, Josh Hartnett. He's he's a uh, what former teenage heartthrob. Josh Hartnett yes. back now as uh, Ernest Lawrence. Like you see, I'm going on and on with these names. Uh, oh, Bernard himself from the Santa Claus was in this movie. Yeah. As um, was it Isidore David Robbie. Krumholtz. Yes. Yep. So. Um, that's, yeah. that he, was, he was, he, he was, was awesome. Great. He was one of the, one of the better, uh, characters in this thing. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, and there's so many more like to throw in there, like yeah. you know, like Jason Clark from yes, yes. He was oh my god, ah, oh, he was a character you love to hate in this movie. Like yes. you just like the, the, the way he was set up. He was the interrogator, the, the main interrogator in the in that scene. Yeah, that guy was uh, a um, jerk. you know, <laughs> uh, if you are a fan of uh, like Scott McFarland, um, Scott Grimes who plays. Um, Steve in the American Dad, and he's also been in a couple other like major things. He was in the or the movie, the show, The Orville. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was one of the counsel um, that was with Strauss. It was Strauss, um, him, and then Han Solo, of course. Yes, yes, we're right. we're all Han in that Solo scene. Himself. He was a very compelling yep. like protagonist in that moment uh, as as things unraveled. Yep. Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, Killian Murphy. Um, you mentioned Jason Clark. Uh, Tony Goldwyn was in this movie too. Uh, James Darcy. So uh, Kenneth Barna. So anyway, all those yes. names. It's like uh, Nolan calls actors, and they're like, "Oh yeah, sure, I'll be there," even for it's like two minutes right. of screen time. So uh, by the way, have you guys seen like a comparison of Killian Murphy and actual Oppenheimer? No, I have not. I mean, pretty good casting. I'm going to show you guys just. Yeah. Hey, here, oh, like wow. again, this is a podcast, so nobody very, can see what yeah. I'm showing you guys. Yeah, but look it up. Yeah, yeah, very, I mean, very yeah, good the, casting, especially when he was like fully dressed up. Like he he had the like the style of mm-hmm. of him smoking the well cigarettes spot. or yeah, the pipe. pipe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it makes sense why everybody smoked back then. It was just really stressful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but, uh, but I mean, yeah. but I think again, speaking to the brilliance of Nolan. So one, it's kind of like what you said. Nolan can call these actors and say, "Hey, I want you to be." In my three-hour movie yeah. for about six minutes. Yeah, yeah. Which, sure. Right. Matt, Matt Damon did an interview recently, and he was going to take a acting like uh, hiatus for a break. while. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he told his wife, he said, "Okay, I'm doing this. I'm taking a break. I'm not going to film any movies for a couple years, unless Christopher Nolan calls me." Yeah. He said that to her, and that was the caveat. And he said, no sooner than a two weeks later, after saying that to his wife, that they're going to take a break from acting. Christopher Nolan. Christopher calls. Nolan called yeah. <laughs> and said he wants him in his movie. There you go. And so now he didn't take a break. So. He's yeah. hopefully taking yeah. a break after this movie. So it's amazing. <laughs> so it, it speaks to the brilliance of Nolan that, but also, and this is what like when you know today people have asked me about this movie, like friends I've seen in town, and like, well, hey, what'd you think? And I was like, well, I mean, it felt like a roller coaster. It did. It did. But but what I said is, you know, it was so intense, and I and I'm trying to think. You guys tell me if I'm wrong. In the entire three hours. Was there a single moment of like action? Was there a punch? Was there even a push? <laughs> like that's a good point. I don't yeah. think there was a single moment of action in the whole movie. And it didn't need it because no. the dialogue, mm-hmm. the music, oh yeah. The the visuals and the stakes, you felt everything in this yeah, movie. You did. And that's the that's the glory of Christopher Nolan. That's the, the yeah. beauty of his films. There might have been one moment of violence. When? When Florence. Florence okay, there was a murder. Yes. There was there was either a murder or a suicide. Sure. Yes, one okay. of the two. What there you go. So a little bit of violence. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, and and not that like Christopher Nolan does action films, but you know, like an in Inception and. You oh, know, there's quite a bit. There's he, plenty of action. He knows how to do action. Right, yeah. right. But it's yeah. it, he's not like an action junkie movie right. maker, right? Yeah. But um, but it just shows you he doesn't have to rely on that in, yeah. a, in any way. Yeah, he right? knows what he's doing. Yeah, the Dark Knight was yeah. amazing, not just because Batman punching know, people, yeah. punching people. Yeah, it's it's the story. Yeah, and the story, and I think that's what's so unique about 
you know, at, at the beginning of the movie, I was confused. But like, if he would have just done a chronological film mm-hmm. of this in order, it wouldn't hit the same. No, but because, right. because he takes you all over the place, and you're, he takes you on a journey, wondering what's true, what happened, what you know, mm. who's the yes. spy? Yeah, yes, right. Who's the spy? I mean, to tell you the truth, a, a very underrated part of the movie in my mind was the like the villain reveal and the like the villain build with everything that was going on with, you know, as it was going through and it being revealed, you know, almost at the end of the movie that Strauss was pulling all these strings to undermine Oppenheimer and get him out of um, government work, get him out of the limelight, all this, you know, this, this sticking moment that was this other hearing that they show a small part of, um, where Oppenheimer had slighted him and kind of turned some of the um, scientists against uh, Strauss in general and um, when he was a part of the uh, Atomic Energy Commission, um, which still exists today. Nope. It's not called that anymore, but it still exists. How about that? Yes, it's the Department of Energy now. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, uh, so he was. It, it was. it was very interesting seeing this villain reveal that you weren't really even expecting to actually see. You were kind of like not expecting there to be a villain in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it turns out they he very much has this one person who, through most of the movie, at worst was you were kind of thinking was you know a like ambivalent force and at best was a positive force. Yeah. And like because you know one of the very first scenes they show is him, um, you know him trying to recruit him to Princeton to, you know, run their department. Like it it wasn't like he was, you know, being purposefully antagonistic to Alpenheimer in any way. Yeah, Strauss wasn't always um, antagonistic towards him, for sure. No, no. Which Robert Downey Jr. did a phenomenal job as Strauss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, if there are any Oscar noms coming out of this movie, it's going to be Robert Downey Jr., I think. Like, he did a great job. Yeah, Yeah. no, I mean, it was was awesome. Uh, I think Emily Blunt has a good chance, too. Yeah, no, Emily Blunt, too. Yeah, she has a good chance. Supporting actress, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, the the villain reveal towards the end was was awesome. When he, he, because he mentioned kind of early that somebody must have slipped FBI, classified FBI, Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. FBI files on Oppenheimer to the the informant, the guy yes. who um, uh, wrote Borden. up Borden. Borden, yes, thank mm-hmm. you. Um, but it turns out he was in the room the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, and like so, you see that same scene an hour and a half, two hours later from when we first see it. Yeah, and and he's just in the corner. But the way the camera was shot, you didn't know it. You know, yeah. just just freaking Nolan, man, just <laughs> doing his thing. Yeah. It, you know, every every time you watch a Christopher Nolan movie, it feels like you really have to go watch it again mm-hmm. to really yeah, yeah, understand absolutely, it. Absolutely. And that's I feel that way with Oppenheimer. Like I'm probably gonna have to watch it again to fully grasp mm-hmm. everything. You know, I agree. Um, but I'm willing to. So <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, man, it's it the uh, Robert Downey Jr. His character of Strauss was compelling. Yeah. Yes. And so the crux. So he was one thing. So help me if I, help me make sure I got this right. He was hoping to be on um, the president's cabinet. Yes. And yes. to do that, he's got to obviously go through these congressional hearings where yes. they review him, uh-huh, make sure much. he's qualified. You yes. got that. Right. Yep. And it's all public. You know, everybody, you can watch these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's why his close relationship with Oppenheimer, who was at that, at that point in time, 
his security de- or his, he clearance. was his clearance. security clearance had been revoked. revoked. Yeah. yeah, removed. Revoked. Yeah, which so, is interesting because he shot himself in the foot. In a way, uh, Strauss did yeah. this to himself exactly by destroying right. Oppenheimer. Destroyed he destroyed it came himself. Back to him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so, what does it mean that his security clearance? What's the significance of that? Because I. It's still, like, I don't actually understand what that means. For a physicist like Oppenheimer, this would have been, like, someone saying you no longer have a degree in physics. Mm -hmm. Because every top-secret program, everything that he was doing, he can no longer work on. Oh, you need all these clearances to know what's going on. To to be able to be a part of these programs. Like, if you ever want to be a part of any of these programs, you have to have certain amounts of security clearance um and okay. great got it it was literally it, that was him destroying his career that's right. what that was right. him losing that that's why that that's why that board meeting where they were reviewing his um his security clearance yes. was so important yes yeah. okay okay all right that's helpful but yeah it is interesting how strauss it's like you know the movie's about the bomb yes the movie's about oppenheimer but it's also really about Strauss and like him trying to get on the presidential cabinet. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, it, you know, it's easy to miss that. Is what I'm trying to say. Like, yes. Like you really gotta, you, like you might not catch that. Yeah. But that's the crux of like his desire, his ambition. You know. So, but yeah, like he created this monster, <laughs> like when it didn't really seem super necessary. Yep. Yeah, he didn't have to because of his own, you know. His ego. feelings, his, his ego. ego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He let his ego get in the way of getting to where he wanted to go. Yeah. Well, apparently, and I still, again, don't. Uh, even though they showed this scene in a few different angles, apparently Oppenheimer like embarrassed him in front of the Senate. Yes. At that's one what point, we gathered. And I, even though I still don't understand that scene and what he was saying and how it embarrassed him, but it gave me extreme like Iron Man two vibes. <laughs> Just that <laughs> it was like Oppenheimer, like Gillian Murphy was actually Robert Downey Jr. or Tony Stark. Like that's how he responded to the Senate, yeah, and it, you know what I'm saying. It really felt that way, and in, in some weird kind of alternate universe. <laughs> alternate yeah. universe, yeah. But yeah, um, that's awesome, man. Gosh, so good. And you know, it's funny we haven't even really talked about like just the freaking like the bomb building, the bomb building, yeah. and yeah. Los Alamos. Well, let's and, let's talk about in my in my eyes. Uh, you can either take it as a seriousness or not, but uh, right. one of Christopher Nolan's big biggest twists in any movie ever for me is that so you want to talk about the bomb now. Yeah, well, I might as well just. Drop right there for a second. Yeah. Then, we can, then we can dissect the creation of Pun it. Pun intended. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We can uh, dissect the creation of it after after that. But the the twist for me was like going into this movie, I was like, oh, when this bomb goes off, I'm going to get obliterated. Like it's going to be like the screen's going to melt my face, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, the brightest thing the, you can yeah, imagine. Exactly. And the loudest thing you can imagine. Right. And so when the bomb went off, it was quiet. Crickets. Yes. You, you heard Oppenheimer breathing. You That's heard it. everybody's like... Like their heartbeats and all yeah. that kind of stuff, and I was like, "Whoa, what the heck's going on?" Like, I was like, "Did the sound go out? Like, what, what's going on with this?" And then you heard the breathing, you heard crickets, you heard, you literally heard crickets, and like, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, everything catches back up. Like, the light finishes flashing, and the sound of the sonic boom just erupts, delayed, yeah, yeah. yeah. much delayed, but which I, is. Well, I mean, that's oh, right, right, which yeah. is one hundred percent accurate. But me being a dumb guy, right, just like <laughs> going watching the trailers, like, oh yeah, it's a Nolan movie too. It's gonna be awesome, big, huge. And when it went off, I was like, whoa, what the heck? Yeah. And then it hit you, and it, it hit you quick. It scared me, yeah. like the not the actual bomb, mm-hmm. but the 
the the the, the aftermath, right? The yeah, the, the 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 tremor wave mm-hmm. coming through. It's so loud. Yeah. It, comes, it feels like it comes out of nowhere, and it clearly shocks everyone in yeah. the movie too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And uh, but just the whole culmination leading up to that too, which I think we can talk about now. Um, yeah, because the the recruitment scene when to start the whole uh, bomb project, off, yeah. I thought was incredible. Um, the how Oppenheimer's like. We got to get. We got to build a town. Get their yeah. families here. We're never going to get the top scientists. And then they're going from scientists to scientists to scientists. Yes. And like they're they're he's building his crew. Yes. He's, he, yeah, there you go. Son of a bitch. I'm in. Like that's yeah. like that kind of thing. Um, but it's uh, it's it's it was awesome. It really truly was. Um, and then uh, it just you see his time at the hit at the university. Uh, was it Berkeley? Right? Was that what it was? Um, uh, was yes. Yes. Yeah. So when he was yeah, that was Berkeley. That okay. He was at. And. Uh, th- just them going to him there to, uh, and he wasn't even the main focus, right? It was the other scientist, Lawrence, right? Yes. And, uh, and then finally, because of his communist uh, ties, yes. and then he started the recruitment process there, yeah. which it was, what, it was fun time. Which it was really interesting seeing, like, uh, the Lawrence character was very interesting to me. Like, I, like, I'll, th- there was a lot, like, of little things there, and he was like, you could tell he was, like, trying to be Oppenheimer's friend. Mm-hmm. And, like you could see almost in their disciplines that they were a part of that like it, it, they fit their their personalities a lot yeah. because Oppenheimer is a theoretical physicist mm-hmm. so basically like he thinks a lot and he kind of comes up with like ideas and like you see this in the movie in in the whole thing like Lawrence is a is a experimental physicist, which means like he's hands on. He's actually doing the experiments. Yeah. That's what his role is in all this. Well, also, Lawrence was kind of like the uh, stereotypical like American as well. Like he was kind of that role we, to yeah. Oppenheimer's uh, thinking of 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 different sides. Like yes. he was in, interested in communist views, but he wasn't necessarily a communist. Like so, it was kind of like a, yeah. a opposite. Yes. In that yeah, way very well. much so. And I felt like it felt felt very well in the disciplines. Um, you know, like. Oppenheimer is a lot, much more like pie in the sky, like kind of like his head's in the clouds kind of a character, whereas Lawrence was very much like, you know, his feet were on the ground. He was very grounded and he like understood how these systems worked um, a lot more than the character of Oppenheimer did yeah. in a lot of ways because Oppenheimer, in his mind, he feels like, well, I feel like I should be able to think and do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And Lawrence was very much like, that's not how the world actually works, though. So th- there's a very interesting scene there. Like there are consequences to your beliefs. Yes. 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 Yeah. yes very much so. Like, that's, that's how. And w- it played out. Yes. <laughs> it did. Very much. Yeah. Like, the whole time, like, it, it, it works very well. And, like, mm-hmm. in, you know, the, the difference between an experimental and a theoretical physicist is very much that mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, is because exactly that theoretical is the options are boundless whereas an experimental is very much you're tied down by what is actually able to be done yeah right you know mm-hmm. yeah so i think it felt very and, well for their characters and it was a f- fun moment when they got the newspaper saying that was it a scientist in germany or somewhere had split the atom oh yes. Yes, and, yes and and oppenheimer's like that's not possible and he, what he what does he do he goes to his blackboard mm-hmm. and he's writing and he's thinking about like and he's and he's he's showing how it's not possible through yes. some data yeah. through some formulas and Lawrence comes in and he's like uh alvarez just did it yeah next <laughs> yeah. door we just did it <laughs> yeah and he's and oppenheimer's like what like that is a perfect <laughs> representation of the difference of their oh of their God. worlds yes. even yes. though they're so close they're right. so yes. they're so far apart 
Yes, very mm-hmm. true, very true. But yeah, I, I got the sense that um, he was an ally of his, for yes. sure. Yeah. One of the best for him. And I think he understood, um, you know, a, a lot of Oppenheimer's motivation. It's interesting. It's so interesting. It's like, and he even said it in his kind of like victory speech or whatever. It's like, he wanted to beat Germany. Yes. He wanted to beat Hitler. You know, he's Jewish. He wanted to beat Hitler to the, to, he wanted to win this race against the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even said in his victory speech, he's like, wish we could have used it on them. Yeah. It's kind of sad that it had to be on Japan. Yep. Um, but he had such motivation to do this because he was Jewish. Yeah. And Lawrence wasn't Jewish, but Lawrence understood the stakes of like, if we were, if we're going to make a bomb. Yeah. We need this guy. Like he, <laughs> yeah, he, he even, yeah, he even used it uh, when uh, Isidore Robbie. He's like, you need to be a part of this. Like, you're you're a Jew. Like you, yeah. <laughs> you need to right, you right. need to be a part of this to to get the Germans. Like, but yeah, um, I think he ended up bowing out of it and didn't want to be a part of it. Robbie, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for I think he kind of gets pulled back in now. Yeah, no, he definitely gets. The, the, uh, I feel like yeah. the the scientists get pulled in, pushed out, yeah. pulled in like the entire yeah. the entire yeah. movie. Like so many people quit and then came back. <laughs> like, How about when that guy quit and um, General Groves was like, "That's all right, we'll just kill him." Yeah, yeah. And, and then look the, at there's like the a, audience, a moment of yeah, a moment yeah, of silence. Well, like, kind of, but people were kind of laughing like, yeah. "Oh yeah." And then he says, "Just kidding." Yeah. And then we all laugh even more. But then I'm like, oh, "Well, no, they, they probably yeah. would kill him." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it came down to it, national security yeah. in that moment, you mean yeah. it's, and you know, it's a possibility. And, and, and yeah, it's just like they definitely wouldn't so hesitate to put you in prison. Mm-hmm. The war is against Germany. Mm-hmm. The yes. war is the threat is the Nazis, mm-hmm. and later on, of course, the threat of like the war feeling like it might not end because of the resilience of the Japanese. Right. Correct. But the fears of the Russians, wow, yes. who are at the time your allies, mm-hmm. and and that's prevalent. and that's what like, you know, just gonna say it like if you're one of those people back then who was pro communism, mm-hmm. um, and maybe not even in the sense of like Russian communism, but just the ideals of, the ideas of communism. Yeah, you're like, well, dude, Russians, Russia is our allies. Why, why wouldn't we uh, share information with them? Dude, yeah. Yeah. how amazing was that scene with his? Uh, with his friend, the sommelier incident or whatever. Yes, chevalier. Uh, chevalier. Mm-hmm. Thank you. What did I say? Sommelier, <laughs> which is a wine, <laughs> yeah, wine. yeah, yeah. You know that country. Um, say, say it again. Chevalier. Chevalier. So that's mm-hmm. his. That's his friend. That's yes. that guy's name. And the way when he was like making um, margaritas or whatever martinis, in the kitchen, yeah. martinis, mm-hmm. whatever he was making in the kitchen, he was like. That was just a that was an amazing yeah. scene where he's yeah. basically trying to see if Oppenheimer will give him anything. Any information. Yeah. He's like, yeah, somebody is going through channels trying to figure out like, do you? We wouldn't happen to know. But you're freaking yeah. communist. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I was, and you could see it in Oppenheimer's face. He's like, he, he turns around and gives that, him a stare. That would be like, treason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was that was a crazy scene where mm-hmm. it's like, and again, he's a he is not a practical. He is just a, a Oppenheimer is just a. Let me think about these ideas. Yeah. But when it turns out that the, the, the woman you love is a communist or your closest friend is a communist, yeah. now it hits different. Yeah. Right? And he, like the thing is he was – I mean he was surrounded by, by people who had relatively strong connections with the Communist Party. Yeah. You know, like his, his, his wife was a, commu- was right. a communist Former at communist. one point. Yep. You know, his love interest was his brother – his brother's wife, yeah. you know, his like his friend, friend you yeah. know, like all this, all these people mm-hmm. were, you know, a part of this organization. And it, it kind of made, it's kind of sad for a second because it'd be like almost like, 
Although, to tell you the truth, I don't think that hearing would have changed at all in any way, even if they had been able to. But if they could have, like, dropped them into that moment with him being so, like, affirmative in that moment and being like, that'd be treason and basically just saying no, like, Mm. so firmly and, like, you know, so straightforwardly, like, that would be a huge, like, way to show you're not. It would be like if True. somebody had been dropped in and just seen that and scene. And he admits it, right? He says in that, on that, um, in the, his clearance meeting, he's like, I understand, I regret now that I didn't do, say, say something, something immediately. Sooner, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's, that's crazy to imagine what life was actually like, was, was actually like in America back then. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know? The, I, like, yeah, the communist, uh, <laughs> The communist scenes in here, they did stand out. Like they were, oh my they gosh, were very, so very yeah. intense. But like, it was like who's playing who kind of thing as well. Oh my gosh, yeah. dude, it was it was it was good. It was entertaining. So good. <laughs> um, okay, gosh, what? One, okay, one of the best lines for me. Ooh, okay, um, it was a conversation between Albert Einstein and uh, Oppenheimer. Yeah, and uh, it's when they are doing the math to uh, try to see what the aftermath of the bomb would be. And so he brings him, he uh, Oppenheimer brings Einstein the 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 sheet of paper of the math, and um, Oppenheimer, uh, sorry, Einstein looks at Oppenheimer and he's like, um, I'm, I'm probably gonna butcher this, but anyway, um, he says uh, the man of quantum probability is coming to me for um, accurate calculations. Like, yep. uh, uh, it's just it's, it's true. Like it's it's. It goes back to the different science or same science field, but like different ways yeah. of doing it. But like that was uh, Einstein. He was basing all of his things on calculations, right? But yeah. um, <laughs> Oppenheimer is all probability and yeah. thinking and theorizing and all that kind of stuff. Well, it even comes down to like when they when he's drawing on the board, he has them separated into four different groups. Mm-hmm. Like just even just even if you just think about that. Like, they were doing four different disciplines on the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, just showing you how different everything is. And, of course, like, Einstein, I mean, Einstein was an interesting character, but I feel like he was more of a, he was more of a plot point between Oppenheimer and Strauss, yeah. more than a real, like, mm-hmm. he, had, he was relatively interesting in his own idea, but that's what he mainly was. He was a point of contention between those two, those Two two men, Oppenheimer and Strauss. Yeah, that's I mean, true. He was, but he was also. It felt like Oppenheimer and his incredible cockiness and arrogance. That was the only person he would go to to like get wisdom from. Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm that's saying? true. Like in the even in the beginning, he was uh, Strauss is like uh, Einstein, the greatest mind of our time. Yeah. and then he said uh, his time. Like <laughs> right, <laughs> right, 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 yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's, exactly. Profound respect yeah. for him, but he was still like yeah. his. There time. were definitely like Oppenheimer definitely had moments where like. Like these brief, like almost one-liners of yeah. arrogance. Yeah, that's true. Like, Very true. Like, you know, oh, that's why I'm considering it. Like, yeah. like, like things like that. Like, just like little things like that. And his the way he talked about Einstein in that moment was very much like dismissive of him, of him in that moment. Yeah. You know, another line, and and it's not really a line. I might not get it totally right, but just the scene in Evald Einstein that really stuck with me was I think it was towards the end, but where he's telling Oppenheimer like, you know. Einstein himself left his country because he was German. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but, but he's also Jewish. So, like, he left his country when he was no longer welcome mm-hmm. or when his country turned his back on him. And he was, he kind of said to Oppenheimer, like, are you prepared to do that as well? Yeah. yeah. Because, like, 
you know, now that the war is over or the bomb has been dropped and we're in the aftermath, like you're not as necessary anymore. Yeah. And and another scientist told him that too. It's like they have a usefulness for the scientists now. They need them now, but when it's when it's over, they throw, yes. them, throw them away. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which yep. is just classic government. Just yeah. Which they turned him into. A, they really did turn him into a martyr at the end. Like it was. Yep. Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah. It was. Um, I think for me, another one of the most intense scenes was um, him giving that uh, speech in the in the gymnasium. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah. And, uh, and that was like a. It wasn't. It wasn't real. Like it was. It, it was weird to see. Yeah. Like that was all in his head. You yeah, know? It, it was. Oh my gosh, dude! It was. It, it was intense though, because you saw the the moral quandary that he was facing yeah. of knowing that he created a bomb to drop on the Germans, right? But America has a weapon, and they're going to use the weapon. That was a big. Yeah. Uh, that was and then it was thing. out of his hands. Yeah. I think it was a little yeah. bit oh, too. Yeah, it absolutely. was like it was very much mm-hmm. about that, and like the like the fanaticism that they even showed in his own group. Mm-hmm. Like the way they were reacting, like you see all these people doing like petitions and well, like in that moment, like you see cheering, right? You all see that, like yeah. just like insane oh, cheering, yeah, yeah, yeah. the stomping, the like insane. Like, people were literally making out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, people yeah. were vomiting. Like yeah. it was a vi- it was that, true victory. Yes, it was. Like, it was. It was showing like this like insane fanaticism yeah. without any base in reality. Is kind of how it was. Mm-hmm. I saw it in that moment, like. Not com- understanding what you have done, you're just glad that you did it. Yeah, in a yeah, way, exactly. They're glad that they beat the enemy. However, but what they're not, they're not seeing is in order to beat the enemy, they had to murder, yeah, <laughs> th- hundreds of thousands of people uh-huh. to get that accomplished, and they didn't see that. <sighs> and then yeah. here we are. This gets into the. The, the commentary and the, dis- the the discussion that comes from this, which we had in the car last night, right, where it's like and – and they had a moment where they're talking to not Truman, but like what was it the Secretary of Defense or something. They, um, Oppenheimer's on the couch. Oh, looks like my dog got a hold of the toys. So if you're hearing her with the squeaky toys, sorry about that. Um, where they're having a conversation like how long do they think – you know, Japan would hold out for. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Japan will not surrender. Never. Yeah. Um, and it really, it felt like, and I think it still does feel like this, even to me, as you know, this is just my opinion. It's like what I've read about the war. It's like, they had, they had to do something drastic, which yeah. is so sad, yeah. but it's like, they had to come to that. Right. But it's yeah. freaking crazy. <laughs> Our country yeah. did that to another country. Yeah. yeah. To two cities of, Innocent people. And, like, there's there's also, like, the firestorm of Tokyo where they yeah. just, like, a raid. But that was normal. Like, raids were normal. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very sad. Don't get me wrong. But, like, there's a lot of effort that goes into raids. Yeah. To drop one singular bomb from one plane. Yeah. Like, just a couple dudes pushing it over the edge. Yeah. And it was crazy that they said, oh, yeah, we got to drop one to show them that we mean business and two to show them that we can do it again. Like, yeah. yes. that's just insane. Yeah. Insane thinking right there. Yeah. Well, and like at that point, okay, so like the mentality of the, the, there was something that was going around Japan called the 100 million sacrifice, which is l- literally the idea of every single man, woman, and child would fight to the death in, a, in an invasion, which would be an insane loss of life on both sides, mm-hmm. like in, in an invasion. And then, you know, so 
and as they were doing calculations, like as they got closer and closer, as they hopped islands, when they went from, you know, going from island to island to island, when they were in down to Iwo Jima and Okinawa, in Okinawa there was an average of, I believe, about one point three deaths per minute mm. during the Wild. campaign. Wild. So like. Like an insane like amount of people, and you, you you'd be talking about doing this for, like Okinawa was about th- was three or four months long. I can't remember exactly how yeah. long, but you're talking about if you're into invasion of the homeland of of homeland Japan, you would be talking about probably like a year minimum of, yeah. and, and you're talking like the the numbers would would be insane. Yeah. It would just be ridiculous. So is it better to do that and have so much lost life, or to just do what they did? And that's and that's the that's a conundrum that they had. That was the big debate that they were. Yeah, they're having. Yeah. yeah, and and yeah, man, I don't know. It's crazy. It's just you know the atomic bombs changed the world. Yeah, and we're still living in it today, where it's like so many different world powers have have these things. Yeah, you yeah. know, and they're it, just sitting on them. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, we're, you know, we're here to review the movie, but it really makes you think and wonder about the significance of this guy and what happened. Um, but ultimately, Nolan made a film where you're so in tr- just you are just in this story. You are in this yeah. very enthralling for sure. Yeah. Yes. And um again, we could probably talk about this all day, but anything else you guys want to discuss from this film before we kind of wrap it up? Hmm. So, mu- sound, music, score. Yes. Oh yeah, the music yep. for sure. Uh, Ludwig Göransson uh, yeah. did this one, same as Mandalorian uh, yeah. theme song. Uh, fantastic. Every sound hit. Yeah. Uh, getting on to that, there was a moment where they're at um, one of the communist meetings, and like there's this like roar, and it sounds to me a lot like in Dark Knight Rises when they're um, when he's in the pit. There's like uh, yeah. they're and they're like they're like chanting and it sounds like the intensity and stuff like that. It's right before like Oppenheimer like gets in front of them and starts talking to one of the Communist Party yeah. groups. But it just like it sounded so much like it in like the intensity mm-hmm. and like it was interesting seeing that intensity in it, that moment. It as really well. built every scene, which you mentioned. There's hardly any action in the movie like at all, right? And it, every scene felt that like intensity because of the the sound and yep. the music yep. so and just the 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 drama the dilemma mm-hmm. the yeah. yeah the questions man remarkable mm-hmm. all right boys great movie mm-hmm. had a great time with y'all to our listeners we hope you enjoyed this review again we could say a whole lot more yeah. um cuz the movie was 3 hours <laughs> um yeah but um we appreciate you joining us for this review um i mean Anytime we get the chance to talk about a Nolan film, yeah, you know, it's we need to do a Nolan rewatch and just do retro reviews. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. That'd be interesting. Yep. All right. Well, um, with all that in mind, we want to uh, remind you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Follow the follow us on social media at Royal Geek Pod, and please come on back. We've got plenty of stuff um, that we're reviewing uh, the rest of the summer and the rest of the year. We're almost at the end of the summer. Crazy. Yep. Um, with all that in mind, for my good friends Sandy and Shimato, this is T-Roll saying thank you so much for listening to the Royal Geek Podcast. We will see you next time, you commies. Just kidding.